From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Annie from Recast Success. Annie, it's really nice to have you on. Brad, great to be here. Absolutely. So I'm excited for today's discussion. Can you kick us off with an intro of who you are, what you're doing, as well as your company and what you guys are up to? Sure. Yeah. I'm Annie Dean, CEO and co-founder of Recast Success. I'm starting out this company that is, uh, we've been running for a couple of years here, remote first company. So I'm joining you from a, a micro farm near Yosemite in California. And Recast Success is all about making the customer success industry successful, helping career transitioners who are coming into the field for the first time, upskilling companies that already have existing customer success teams and providing fractional leadership for early stage startups as well. Love that. What's your story? How did you get into this and decide to do a company in this space? Yeah, so I was a career transitioner myself and came into the tech industry a dozen years ago or so. And I had a difficult time making the transition, even though I had quite a lot of experience and transferable skills. And then I went quickly into leadership. I led global customer learning operations for LinkedIn, what would now be digital customer success. I started success teams at Coursera and a bunch of smaller stage startups. And I wanted to hire more career transitioners. And I saw how challenging it was for the employers as well. And you're going out and you're trusting somebody who's fairly unknown in the space with millions of dollars of business to go be the face of your company. And you usually are pretty short staffed. You don't have a whole lot of time to, to give them for training. Most CSMs, customer success managers, don't get a lot of training. And we saw there was one of the 10 fastest growing careers in the world. And there's just such a huge talent gap. And my co-founder and I decided, hey, why don't we just try and solve this problem ourselves, bridge this gap and help some amazing career transitioners who could use some help getting into the industry and diversify the voice of customer success and the talent pool while we were at it. I love that. And how's it been going? What's this year looked like for you guys? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. It's really one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had because we hear from companies and from career transitioners all the time that we've made a difference in someone's life, which that's always amazing. We've expanded out. End of last year, we had a lot of employers coming to us going, hey, we hired this person that had really great training. Could you do this for the rest of our team as well? And so we rolled out a B2B training program at the end of last year. And then we had a lot of early stage founders coming and saying, I know it's free to hire from your community. Who do you have for us to be our first hire? And so we saw a lot of challenges that they would face with people who were individual contributors who weren't really set up for success or people that were super senior that were going to be bored. And so we started a fractional leadership program beginning of this year, which has also been growing really well. That's very cool. So let's talk about strategies that you guys have used to grow the company. What does that look like from the day you started to, to now? What are some of those like strategies you've utilized and growing and all that? Yeah, it's been interesting for us because we had such strong personal brands already in this field. So our beta group, we actually had about 50 people apply to join our first cohort of bootcamp with one LinkedIn post. So we've really embraced social and content and 
we have a ton of referrals that come from our both the people who hire take our training and then people who've come through the program as well and we have a huge network of volunteer mentors who are all influencers in the space as well and so it's been pretty amazing because those people will post and talk about us they send people to our program and from a marketing and acquisition standpoint it's been fairly easy for us to rely on our personal brands and build from there. That's really cool. And by personal brand, you mean obviously your brand out there and your presence online. It sounds like you've used LinkedIn where you'd post. And then how does that work? People are following your content and then they come to you and they're like, hey, we could use what you guys are doing. For the most part, yes. We post about customer success topics that are things that are near and dear to our heart. They're things that we're covering in our training classes. And then people find the content and say, hey, I would love more information about this. Hey, I'm trying to break into this career. Is there any way that you could help me as well? Or they raise their hands and say, some mentor made a huge difference for me in my during my career, and I'd love to pay it forward. Part of it is we're really mission driven. Our mission is to help diversify the tech industry. Customer success is the voice of the customer. And that voice right now is not real representative of the customers themselves. The industry's 80%, 85% white, 90% college educated, 95% are urban, which doesn't reflect the customer base of most of the industry. And so our community is 90% plus identify with at least one dimension of diversity. And so a lot of folks that feel really passionately about making sure that everyone's voices are equally represented in the tech industry is ha are happy to give back. And we get a lot of kind of positive <laughs> interactions going on through social media because of the amazing mission that we're all trying to support. Absolutely. I love that. What does the, the formatting look like? So like when it comes to content, are you mostly posting like articles? Are you posting some videos, obviously podcasts? I'm looking at your LinkedIn now, it looks like you have a good mix of things. Is there any preferred format that you found to be successful? Yeah, we're not marketing experts. So we've tested a lot of different things. Short form articles actually tend to work pretty well for us. We've tried carousels. We have some pretty awesome testimonial videos from our community, which we probably should be doing more with. <laughs> and recently I was selected to do a Udemy business course on quick tips for customer success. So mm. trying to pepper in some knowledge there in a quick format that's more similar to a YouTube shorts or a TikTok, but we haven't really gotten too, too deep into the short form video yet, but that's probably our next stop. Nice. I love it. Has there been any like lessons learned? Like I know you mentioned you're like, hey, we're trying out different things. And I think that's good to just try a bunch of ideas and see what sticks. Any things are like, oh, we learned this big lesson. Uh, we do that again or we wouldn't do that again or anything like that. Yeah, I think some of the paid content that we tried early on that in a more traditional B2B sale might make sense. In our mm -hmm. bootcamp program, absolutely fell flat. It's really hard to identify who might be a career transitioner. And to get that net down to a target audience that actually makes any kind of sense. And so we abandoned the paid advertising on that side pretty quickly. On the B2B side, it makes a little more sense. We've done probably better there doing things like trade shows, conferences, uh, and speaking events. Okay, that's awesome. What's one of the most difficult challenges you've faced in building this company and as a CEO, and how do you overcome it? 
I have been in uh, small startups for a while, and I think this is universal across the board. One of the biggest challenges is always that you have limitless opportunities, meaning you really have to focus because you don't have limitless resources. And we've had a lot of different people approach us with business ideas for partnerships. My co-founder and I thinks we'd really love to do, and we have to be really disciplined and understand when to say no, which sometimes means admitting when we were wrong. For mm. example, we did a pilot earlier this year with India and we were really excited about it. We had a lot of really amazing mentors volunteer and things. And at the end of the day, when we really took a step back, what it was gonna take to get that business really up and running in a meaningful way there was pretty significant. And the lost opportunity cost for concentrating on other areas of the business was just going to be too high. So we had to put a pause to that. Maybe we'll come back to that later. Absolutely. So important to stay focused. I agree. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? Yeah, I think probably one of the things that I should have thought about earlier was I was living in the Bay Area and working in tech companies pre-COVID. And then I moved out of the barrier to a rural community and founded a company and really just didn't have that same sense of community that I had when I was kind of in the middle of everything. I had other peers in my company before I was a CEO. And as a CEO, it can be somewhat lonely. And I, one of the things I had to learn the hard way was to really be intentional about forming a community and finding other folks who were at a similar stage who could understand what I was going through. And forming those relationships have been really beneficial in keeping my sanity for the last couple of years here. Absolutely. I can attest to that as a CEO too. It's kind of lonely sometimes. You got to find the community of other CEOs and entrepreneurs along. Yeah, it's easier said than done. We live out in the forest <laughs> near Yosemite. There's not a big founder community here. And so Absolutely. luckily there's some really amazing communities out there that are international and you have the opportunity to meet people who, when I was living in the Bay Area and it was so easy to meet other founders, I would probably have just gravitated to people within my own social network already. Um, and so this has really forced me to open my open my network and meet some really amazing people from all over the world. So I'm Absolutely. glad it happened. I love that. So if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that advice be? Yeah, I think I knew I wanted to found a company from the time I was little. And I took a look at it and said, females don't get funding. I didn't go to a school that had this huge pedigree where people were gonna be beating down my door. I wasn't an engineer. I made all these excuses of why I shouldn't found a company and kind of put myself through a hands-on MBA and a real MBA, but making sure that I had the experience and I felt like I'd qualified to be a founder and a CEO, where I don't think I really needed to do all of that. I probably got in my way a little bit. I wish I had started a little bit earlier and just had a little more faith in myself. We ended up bootstrapping our company. So fundraising really wasn't a huge barrier and having really strong business acumen allowed us to be really successful with that. So I don't know that I probably had to do as many tours of duty before I was ready. And so my advice would be start earlier, have faith in yourself, and it can all work out. 
I love that. Yeah, I think when I decided, hey, I want to do this company too, I think it's that initial like just jump in and get started on things and move in a direction. And But I know that feeling of, oh, am I prepared? Do I have everything all T's crossed and I's dotted and all that? But once you jump in and get started and move in a direction, it feels like you start to make progress and all that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking with another female who wants to be a founder earlier today, actually. She very similarly, I think we see this with job seekers as well, where a lot of research shows that men will end up applying for a job if they've got 70% of the qualifications and women typically don't until they have 100%. I guess that applies Mm. to founders as well. I think some men have a higher bar where they feel like they have to have certain accomplishments and some might apply if they fresh out of college, they might try and found a company with no experience and they could do equally as well. Absolutely. So can you describe a time when you had to pivot strategy and how you went about doing that and how it all turned out? Yeah. One of the first ideas we had with our career transition bootcamp was that we would eventually do a year or so of selling directly to the consumer where career transitioners are paying for the program. Other programs charge the employers to hire the graduates as well. And so that had been our intention. We figured we'd be in market for six or nine months, get a lot of credibility, and then start charging employers. And that was early 2021. (laughs) And the talent market was starting to shift. And we got some really good advice from some mentors within our own community. And if we were really trying to open doors for diverse populations, adding an additional barrier by charging the employers would make it harder to do that. And so we decided to pivot and find other means of raising revenue instead of trying to bring on that revenue stream. And I think it made a huge difference for us. Some of those competitors that were charging charging employers and the job seekers, they've closed up shop at this point. Mm. Because in, as the economy got a little bit worse, and employers really weren't willing to pay. It really was a huge barrier for them. So I'm so glad that we did pivot. It did force us to move down the B2B path (laughs) that we hadn't originally anticipated, which brings its own complexities, right? It's different buyers, it's different marketing, it's a whole different sales motion, but I think it was definitely worth it. Absolutely. Makes a ton of sense. So as we wrap up here, any advice you have for those out there listening? So think your customers, your industry, other entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I mean, my advice for entrepreneurs is always think about customer success early. we talk to a lot of founders who come to us and they haven't really put a lot of thought into how they're going to support their clients post-sale until they have a churn issue, customers aren't renewing, customers are unhappy. And so generally, I feel like founders across the board could really behoove themselves to make sure that they're thinking about how do they gather market insights? How do they get all of the great go-to-market strategies aligned based on what actual customers are using their products for, what they want to see different in the product? So really investing in that customer success function earlier in their company. As soon as you have customers, it's time to start thinking about customer success. Absolutely. So important. Well, Annie, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Thanks for having me, Brad. Absolutely.